Well, welcome everyone to, to today's Peace Talks webinar sponsored by the Universal Peace Federation. Also, the UPF has several primary associations uh, that work with different sectors, one of which is the International Association of Parliamentarians for Peace, and the other is the International Summit Council for Peace, both of which are featured today. We have an extremely timely and important topic for today that deals with the post-COVID uh, time in the Americas. So we will have perspectives coming from North America, South America, Central America, and the Caribbean with some focus on development, economic development in the post-COVID era. Of course, we're still in the COVID era. We had a very, very useful discussion yesterday in a Peace Talks webinar on the future of the European Union and uh, dealing with the future of such topics as multilateralism, uh, problems of protectionism, the uh, tensions between, let's say, the globalists and the nationalists on a worldwide level. Uh, many extremely important, broad contextual issues uh, in terms of which we will be looking at the Americas today. We have uh, an excellent panel of speakers. I'm looking forward to hearing from them, as I am sure all of you are as well. We have nearly 400 registered viewers for this Saturday program. All of the speakers will be speaking in English, except for President Pazamora. Without further ado, it's my privilege to introduce Honorable former member of the House of Representatives for some 30 years representing the great state of Indiana, none other than Dan Burton. He is also the international chairman of the International Association of Parliamentarians for Peace. He's our moderator for today's program. Honorable Dan Burton, you have the Thank floor, you. sir. Thank you very much, Dr. Walsh. We really appreciate your leadership. And I also want to start off by saying uh, how much we appreciate Dr. Hakshahan Moon's leadership in having these conferences around the world. She's probably uh, the most diligent leader for peace I've, I've known in my lifetime outside of people who are in public service. She's just a wonderful person and I'm happy that she's uh, doing all those things. Today, we have, as uh, Dr. Walsh said, some very fine panelists and I will introduce those just a second. But just let me just start off by saying the problems we face in this hemisphere as well as other parts of the world are, are very severe and extreme right now. The virus, of course, is very bad. Uh, we have uh, problems with peace and war in other parts of the world. So uh, this is a very interesting time. And today, uh, I'm, I'm so happy we have some people who have great expertise in our hemisphere and around the world in dealing with these problems. So let me just start off today by introducing the people who will be speaking. Uh, the first speaker we will have, and I'll introduce the others as well, is uh, His Excellency uh, Anthony Carmona, uh, former president of Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, we will then have His Excellency Jaime Paxamora, uh, who was uh, the constitutional vice president of the Republic of Bolivia and president of the National Congress down there. And then of course, we'll have my old buddy and my good friend, my leader, uh, Newt Gingrich, who was the speaker of the House of Representatives when I served in the Congress and he did an outstanding job in, 
he continues to do an outstanding job. I, would, I might just add that in addition to be Speaker of the House, he was also, which is quite an honor, he was at Time Magazine's Man of the Year uh, in 1995 because of the work he was putting forth for the people of America. And then finally, we have my good friend, Dr. Michael Jenkins, President of the Universal Peace and Federation International, and he will be uh, widening up our panelists. I'd like to just say to the panelists, I hope that you'll re remember that uh, we're on a time schedule. We'd like for you to keep your comments as close to seven minutes as possible. And then at the end of our uh, dissertations, we'll have a brief question and answer period. And you can even ask questions of the other panelists if you, if you so desire. So I'll, let me just start off by saying uh, I want to welcome uh, His Excellency Anthony Carmona, President of Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, and um, yes, the floor is yours. Thank you very much. Distinguished ladies and gentlemen, progressive post-COVID-19 sustained recovery can be realized through North-South, South-South and triangular cooperation and collaboration. Caribbean countries ranked as middle-income democracies and as small island development states, even before pre-COVID was already we were already advocating for a better deal, a new economic order that would witness a change in the criteria to receive certain types of assistance that was not pegged to GDP, which excluded them from assistance and concessions. This approach ignored the special vulnerabilities of SIDS to certain types of natural phenomena like hurricanes and earthquakes, which could wipe out their GDP and set them back in terms of development by decades, which has already occurred in recent times. There is no real respite for Caribbean territories in the, in the part of destructive hurricanes, which are increasing in intensity due to climate change, the effects of which place a disproportionate burden on SIDS. There has been much advocacy pre-COVID by SIDS for greater resources to be made available internationally to address climate change. Before the arrival of the first case of COVID-19, CARICOM countries have been using various multilateral and bilateral fora to call for rollback and understanding, lobbying for the region not to be cut off from the international banking system, from corresponding relations with the major private banks in the global north, which have threatened the banking system in our region. All we are saying is that we need a chance, a fair chance and a call for equity so that we too can achieve a 2030 sustainable development agenda. Greater resolve is required for us to work together in a spirit of genuine multilateralism. The efforts of many countries to rally behind the World Health Organization with the pledge of hundreds of millions of dollars in the fight against COVID-19 are commendable. We must, get, we must come together to work with the Pan-American Health Organization so that this body can continue to assist entities such as the Caribbean Public Health Agency. The Economic Commission for Latin America and the Caribbean, ECLAC, has intimated a 4.4 increase in poverty, 28.7 million persons in 2020, compared to 2019. This is fully exacerbated by a minus 5.3 economy retraction, resulting in over 12 million persons unemployed in the region. The global supply chains are floundering, and small fragile states are forced to look within Building on local capacity is the methodology for self-reliance and survivability. The new normal per COVID-19 is wrecking havoc on the tourist-based economies of the Caribbean region. Director of the Division on International Trade and Commodities, Ms. Pamela Cook Hamilton, at the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development revealed, and I quote, 
The pandemic is also expected to have a longer lasting effect on global tourism than on other economic sectors. This is especially alarming for small island development states. The tourism sector is a significant driver of GDP and supports many other sectors directly and indirectly. The Operation for Economic Cooperation and Development estimates there will be a 60% decline in international tourism in 2020 because of COVID-19. This could rise to 80% if recovery is delayed until December. In short, they have stated that some of the suggestions that we can work, look at, and I quote, measures to ease illiquidity, constraints of enterprises through sectoral funds, social security and fiscal payment, exemptions or deferrable fast and subsidized loans, sensible relaxation of regulations and taxes on travel and tourism activities. There's no denying that diversification matrix is critical to the sustainable economics of SIDS countries dependent on tourism. I know in fact we are pressed for time, so I will be short. I will make my entire speech available. Worldwide web inventor, Tim Berners-Lee has stated at the United Nations high-level meeting that the COVID-19 pandemic demonstrates the gross inequality of a world where almost half the population is unable to connect to the internet. He said, our number, and I quote, our number one focus must be to close the digital divide. This alarming disparity may have well been the reason many persons were not informed about COVID-19 protection protocols, for example, like social distances. Remittances in the Caribbean region has been grossly affected by the COVID-19 pandemic because of job cuts and restrictions. The World Bank report in 2015, the Dominican Republic receives most remittances by far. US 4.65 billion in total in 2014, Jamaica 2.26 billion. The United States is the main source of remittances, um, while in Europe, Spain 23% and Italy 21% are the main European sources of remittances. I, say, I, sub, I wish to submit that the 17 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, the 2030 Global Agenda, presents an ideal roadmap for post-COVID recovery. Apart from that, there is a very important issue that I wish to raise. And that has to do with the fact of, 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 of lending and borrowing. However, I cannot forget that no one should be the I cannot forget, and no one should, the universal collaborative successful attempts by doctors, nurses, and caregivers of all nationalities and religions aimed at saving the lives of those stricken by COVID-19 in the ICU wards of hospitals all over the world. I ask myself, why cannot we have a togetherness, a human economics, just as corroborative, just as inclusive, just as empathetic, just as solution-oriented as what obtains in ICU hospital wards of pain, anguish, and sorrow. In dealing with and alleviating the COVID-19 epidemic fallout, there's an obsession with fixing now, not tomorrow, through excessive borrowing and debt augmentation. We are running the risk of creating an albatross on the backs of future generations. There, in the Caribbean, there is a sense that the world's richest nations have not responded in adequate terms to the declining economies of SIDS. The G20 countries, with great fanfare, have pledged to inject some $8 trillion into the world economy. What is ironic is that several of these G20 countries is in the Paris club. The club has not been progressive, looking at debt relief in a progressive manner, as we would have hoped. It is estimated, finally, that Caribbean economies have been so 
compromised by August 2020, there would be a loss of some 30% GDP. In this regard, the United States, the principal Paris Club member and Congress can discuss, can dictate the pace of progressive debt relief overall by holistic policies. The Federal Credit Reform Act of 1990 mandates that Congress must be involved in any official foreign country debt relief and notified of any debt reduction and debt renegotiation. Finally, the Paris Club is opposed to rescheduling of debt payments. And in this regard, what is required of this noble institution is not an institutional social responsibility, but rather an institutional social conscience. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mr. President. We really appreciate your comments. We will now hear from His Excellency Jaime Pazamora, uh, the Constitutional Vice President, formerly of the Republic of Bolivia and President of the National Congress. Muy buenos días. Good morning, everyone. I'm going to go directly at, uh, to the topic we are invited to for this day. I want to start with my, my first thematic. I had a very strong, a very interesting experience with Dr. President Bush because I, we were chairing a presidency at the same time. I was president from 1989 to 1993. So we started some kind of a sharing experience of cooperation. We had some kind of interaction. So what we, what we call a great uh, uh, presentation from the President George Bush to the solution of problems in Latin America. Now, looking at this moment, we can see that there is a, a very strong uh, use for the problems we have Facing now with the COVID-19, uh, primero la solución adecuada, the first was the solution, adequate solution to favorable uh, debt, uh, external debts in the region. Second, uh, the fortress of uh, inventions in North America, North America and Latin America, third, the opening of a North American market in, uh, in, in the region, and also the fourth, the fight against uh, the drug traffic. The results taken in Bolivia, and where uh, these challenges are still alive during this post-COVID-19. With more authority, this access uh, uh, must be presented as a, as a future proposal where we can include the cooperation, technological, and development for the, uh, for the environment. The second thematic is the continent, American continent as a fact. So we can create a new Pan-Americanism based on the new realities, objective realities we are facing now. We are the only, the only one continent that connects the, the two poles. We 
We are the very planetarian axis between the two big seas, and so where all the commercial uh, uh, Pacific and, and Atlantic, where the Pacific is the great ocean from the future of our economy. So, we, we are a very good chance to take new actions to unify all the whole Pan-American thinking. So we can we can play that geopolitical role, bringing a geo geoeconomic, geopolitics, geocommercial, geocultural, uniting the whole planet. This is, this is very important so we can all the all of our agreements to become one big block, continue a big block. So when we express our uh, our dreams, our hopes, then we can all take part in the in the dream of the other one. Because we are playing playing not only a national role or a continental role, but it's a, a planetary role. I, I want to share a phrase, love can be the most advanced technology of the 20th century first. Um, so, but I'm talking about love, it's the highest technological item that we have for the future. In the Western world, we believe Love is the highest expression. It's solidarity. It's cooperation. It's uh, tolerance. Uh, fraternity. Uh, tenderness. Uh, playing together. Uh, helping together. Uh, uh, sharing. Uh, reciprocation. So we can break down the chains of the puppies to the development of a human being. So we can avoid that that the elements, uh, external elements like China, can take that will depend, that will become one unit. So we need to bring up uh, our Pan-Americanism together. And so we will be very strong with new, for a new civilization, a new era, and a very uh, strong, uh, on top of everything, we must look at the human development. Uh, on top of it is uh, our, there are women, men, all together working for this. If we really create this new Pan-Americanism, this, this superior class, where we share love and values, we can become the hope 
planetarium hub for the whole planet. So I wanted to, you to know, I wanted to bring my speech about these three topics. And so to re-refresh this agreement, we had this review of this agreement that we had with President Bush in the past. So it's, it's, it's very important to bring it out now. I really believe that we can bring up new values for everybody. This is my message for everyone. And this is my message. Thank you very much. Excuse me, Mr. President. Thank you very much for your comments. And I wanted to, uh, uh, to apologize because I didn't mention that you were president of Bolivia uh, from 1989 to 1993, but we really appreciate your remarks and we'll get to the Q&A a little bit and we'll, uh, we'll uh, listen to your remarks at that time. I'd now like to introduce my old friend, former Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, Mr. Newt Gingrich. Newt. Well, listen, Dan, thank you very, very much. And I want to thank everybody who has uh, been part of this. Uh, I also want to recognize once again uh, the remarkable job that um, Mother Moon has been doing all over the world and the impact that she has had and the network of friends and parliamentarians. And I commend uh, Congressman Dan Burton for taking the lead and reaching out to literally several thousand parliamentarians around the world. I want to, this is a really important time because we're beginning to look at the world beyond the immediate pandemic. And I think that uh, what uh, President Carmona said was extraordinarily important and I want to reinforce it uh, from the perspective of a former American Speaker of the House. Um, this is not a time for institutions to behave as though the pre-pandemic rules are automatic, ironclad, and can't be changed. Uh, we have to have the same kind of flexibility with countries, particularly with poorer countries, that we have shown with in the American system, uh, with companies, with small business. I mean, we've, we've rigged all sorts of things in order to get through <clears throat> one of the greatest crises that we have faced. Uh, the combination of the pandemic itself uh, coming out of China and with people having been misinformed, so it got much worse than it should have. And the decision by governments to deliberately create a depression, something as a historian I've never ever seen before. Those two coming together, uh, the public health and human cost of the pandemic, and the fact that so many places have stopped. Uh, I can relate directly to the challenge of the, of the Caribbean because I am currently uh, living in Rome where my wife, Calissa, is the ambassador to the Vatican. Uh, last year, uh, the Colosseum had about 23,000 people a day. For 10 weeks, it has zero. Now, the economic impact on, it, on Italy, when you go from 23,000 tourists a day in hotels, uh, taking cabs, uh, hiring guides, going to restaurants, and they disappear has been catastrophic. The same thing I'm sure is true of virtually every one of the Caribbean countries who are so heavily dependent on tourism and it's true to a lesser but real extent to countries all across the region. Uh, so I, I wanna mention very briefly two things. One, I do believe 
there should be a reset in terms of debt payment and other activities after the, the, the virus is gone. And we should not accept the idea that these big old institutions should stay rigid and unyielding and try to apply rules that will simply bankrupt countries. Uh, I think we have to be flexible and creative and it may require financing that extends the life of loans by a generation, uh, financing that reduces the, the interest rates. I think we also have to think creatively about how to restart tourism so people can go back out. I can tell you in Italy, after a very brutal 10 weeks where everything stopped, uh, the only things that were open were gas stations, grocery stores, and pharmacies. And if you were on the street, without a legitimate excuse, you could be fined up to $3,200. So for 10 weeks, Italy stopped. In the last two and a half or three weeks, it's begun to restart. Restaurants are opening, hotels are beginning to open, museums are opening. Uh, and so we're beginning to see it start, but until the airlines are able to make people feel comfortable flying, until the cruise ships are capable of making people feel comfortable getting on the ship, Places like all of the Caribbean are gonna remain in economic pain and they have to be dealt with, I think, in a, in, a, in a genuinely caring and humanitarian way. The other thing from our standpoint is, and one that I think all of Latin America should look at, we have gradually begun to realize how much the Chinese are using uh, loans that, that ultimately bankrupt company countries and are trying to move in with extraordinarily favorable financing and the U.S. government in the last six months has begun to really take seriously how we can do a better job of helping with infrastructure, helping develop uh, technology, helping create jobs. And frankly, I think given the American interest right now in uh, not being dependent on the Chinese economy, there's a great opportunity to dramatically expand uh, the amount of investment in Central and South America so that we are able to manufacture right here in our own hemisphere. And I would hope that that is something which will be taken up in a very serious way uh, and working together that we will be able to actually uh, create a much better economic pattern for the entire Western hemisphere. And at the same time, if we can relaunch tourism, uh, that will dramatically help. And then if we can have common sense, practical humanitarian application of these debt agreements, I think we will get through the next two or three years and be in dramatically better shape. But I really appreciated President Camaro's comments and I thought he was exactly right on target. Newt, thank you very, very much. Uh, uh, I'm sure there's a number of uh, people who are watching today who may have some questions for you because of uh, your, your position in, on issues around the world. Uh, I'd now like to recognize Dr. Michael Jenkins, uh, the president of the Universal Peace Federation and also a good friend. Michael? Thank you, Congressman Burton. And thank you to Dr. Walsh and UPF for this uh, great peace talk forum on the Western Hemisphere. Uh, we are encouraged by the remarks of President Carmona. I do believe that we want to increase the cooperation more than ever between uh, all of Latin America, the Caribbean, and North America. I think that it's crucial that we realize we have a cultural common ground of our Christian heritage, the Roman Catholic heritage and the Protestant heritage. And we, we see that that 
is really the foundation for strong democracies, religious freedom, human rights. It also becomes a very base of family values, which I think that we want to commend all of Latin America and the Caribbean for their strong family values, which is also crucial to creating a, a very stable uh, society and healthy, productive society. I also want to thank President uh, Paz Zamora. Also, his cooperation during the drug war has been outstanding, especially during President Bush's time. And uh, the U.S. appreciates his work in that area. And again, his call for cooperation. The, this whole Western Hemisphere is an enormous uh, block of, uh, of the world that has tremendous, tremendous power when combined all together. Uh, in 2018, there's $1.9 trillion of trade between the United States and the rest of the Western Hemisphere. And it was a positive uh, development and continues to get stronger. So I think what uh, President Carmona is also talking about, relaxing these, these uh, rigid uh, debt uh, principles or, or the way we're working together has to change. It has to change. And thank you, Speaker Gingrich, for having the open mind to to see that possibility of change. And you're a great influence to uh, the American leadership in that regard. You've always been very open-minded to see how we can progress together because we are one, we're not just uh, isolated nations, we're all linked together. But in that area of, of uh, debt and trade, I think that uh, we're very concerned about what we see happening in Argentina right now. Uh, Argentina defaulted on its debt with China. and I don't know what the outcome is going to be of that and how they're going to work it out. But we have seen in other places like Pakistan where there's a default and the China has become very rigid on controlling how, how the debt is worked out and even, even claiming rights uh, to property that they were working on together. So I'm very concerned. And America does have to step up its relationship and Canada too uh, to support uh, all of the South and, and Central and also uh, the Caribbean countries. I think we are, we are really closer to one cultural family uh, than the rest of the world. But, you know, 18% uh, of the United States comes from Latin America and the Caribbean. And we all, America all has all those uh, great American citizens here from your countries are great also they have relatives and they're they're great family people and therefore we believe the collaboration can really open doors for for much more progress as one western hemisphere cooperating together so we thank you well very good michael thank you very much and i want to thank uh, all of our panelists we're now going to go to the question and answer uh, period and i'd like to start off by saying you know i was chairman of western hemisphere subcommittee in the, on the uh, uh, U.S. House of Representatives Foreign Affairs Committee for several years. And one of the things that I've noticed recently, and I'm sure my uh, the fellow panelists uh, are aware of this, th there's been some severe economic as well as uh, uh, other problems in Central and South America and the Caribbean, which has caused a migration of people uh, into other countries. And as a result, that has added to the economic problems that have been uh, faced by many of these countries, including the United States of America. So I'd like to know from uh, any of the panelists here what you think might be done that hasn't been done to try to deal with these problems like we have in, uh, in the Caribbean, uh, in Venezuela, 
South America and elsewhere. So if you have any uh, answers to that, I'll, I'll direct this to any of you. And uh, if you want to just chime in, I'd appreciate it. Newt, do you have any comments? Well, I look, I think that uh, we have two or three times now started down the road of trying to develop economically Central America in particular. Uh, and I think that uh, we really have to redouble those kind of efforts. I also think that in some of those countries, we have to provide a lot more assistance uh, in dealing with security issues, including drug gangs and cartels and what have you. Uh, because some of these countries, uh, I think, are literally incapable on their own of coping with the scale and the sophistication of, of modern organized crime. So, uh, I, but I think it is absolutely uh, an American interest to be a good neighbor. And I think all too often, uh, we tend to get distracted into places like Iraq or Afghanistan and forget that we have this huge continent to our south. We have all the islands in the Caribbean and that we have enormous interest in being mutually prosperous, mutually safe and collaborating together. And I think that uh, uh, I would hope that we could be much stronger about that coming out of this particular pandemic. Thank you, Newt. Anybody else have any comments they'd like to make on that? Because uh, I think we're all affected uh, in one way or another, many times adversely because of the uh, migration of people out of troubled areas. So any of my fellow panelists like to make a comment about that? Um, I am really, really, really heartened by the incisive sentiments expressed by New Greenwich. Newt, how are you? Um, it's good seeing you again, you know. and. Um, you spoke about, in fact, the whole issue of crime. And I think it's important that, that we appreciate, for example, that there is need for greater hemispheric state participation in the United Nations Armed Trade Treaty as an important means of curbing the illicit trade of small arms and light weapons as the COVID-19 pandemic has not witnessed a reduction in this pernicious trade. You see, what is taking place is I have found um, in relation to, to the United Nations Armed Trade Treaty is that there is a hemispheric implementation deficit and a participation deficit. And I feel in the circumstances that the gun trade and crime have militated against national growth and economics, especially in the small island development states. With regard to migration, I think, for example, um, from a Trinidad and Tobago perspective, given our very small population of 1.3 million, we have done quite well in accommodating thousands of migrants within, within the, the, the restricted budgets that we have. And in that regard, I think there is need for, for more global um, intercession in the form of, 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 of matter of fact um, remuneration to assist us in that regard. The bottom line is that the world make promises that we simply do not keep. Look at what has happened in Haiti, where 300,000 persons lost their lives. And do you know, at least 70% of those pledges that were given have not been realized. And Haiti continues to be in a type of social morass. Another important feature in the context of ensuring good economics is by having the rule of law, by having ensuring the due process and the rules of natural justice are, are followed by individual countries because it certainly creates an environment for economic development 
if you have a strong independent judiciary. And that certainly can preempt the excessive migration that we often come across from countries where those, those that, that facility is in, is in, is in scarce. Is, is scarce. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Uh, Kaylee, uh, do you have some questions from people who are watching the program today that you may want to present to the panelists? Yes, thank you. It's an honor to be here. We've been collecting questions from those who have been watching. Um, so this first question is for everybody, and maybe we can start with President Paz Zamora. With the wealthiest countries, USA, Brazil, struggling to deal with the impact of COVID-19, realistically, what help can the smaller, poorer nations of the Caribbean and Central and South America expect? And this is a question for everybody, but if we could start with President Paz Zamora, we'd love to hear from you. President Zamora, did you hear the question, sir? Well, if not, uh, why don't we go to one of the other panelists and we'll get back to President Zamora, okay? Well, well certainly, if I, if, if I may engage um, the particular question. And it has to do essentially with the observation made by, by Newt. To the effect, for example... Yes, we hear Mr. President. I mean, I, what I've been talking about is, is a new, we need to be all together in the same, like North America and South America, Central America and Caribbean. We need to see each other in a different way. So whatever we have been doing in the past, so we need to take a new initiative. So now we have a new homework to do. The, the, the health system. Why don't we have a health system, a cooperative health system, not only for every nation, but for the whole continent, for the whole Latin America, for the whole continent, the whole region? Because uh, you see, the whole planet was, uh, was taken by surprise by this COVID-19 all around the world. And that was challenging the, our, the, the health, the world system. So since we have been born in the same continental uh, platform, so we really need to thank each other as brothers and sisters. We need to, so we need to look at the health and cooperation system as one thing. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, President Paz. President Carmona, did you want to respond yeah, as well? Yes, yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, I can tell you from a Caribbean perspective that we have indeed suffered from the vagaries of indifference an apathy from our traditional partners. And one positive thing about the COVID-19 pandemic is that it offers the opportunity to revisit and augment the economic relationship subsisting among us in a mutually rewarding environment. It is not an easy thing to come across a country that is often referred to as a first world country and that is buckling on the pandemic. But you know what? 
a very strong statement was made in the, in the ICU wards of America. When I looked and I saw, I saw persons of different ethnicity. I saw persons of different religion. I saw the big, the small, the indifferent. I saw everyone participating in a, in a humongous struggle to save lives. And that is in fact why I feel there is a need for us to all bend, on, bend our knees on the altar of humanity mm. to engage a, 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 a world that is progressive, holistic, and compassionate. And it is not about in terms of simply commiserating with the, 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 the troubles and tribulations of the strong, but is also in fact a mirror in which we can look into to appreciate the need that we need to be each other's keeper and that we can engage win-win situations in the context of world economics. Kaylee, other questions? Yes. Uh, so to all, starting maybe with, you know, President Carmona, since you spoke so much about tourism being important for Trinidad and Tobago, is it possible to diversify the economies of tourism-dependent nations to offset the decline of tourism? Well, certainly. I think, for example, that there is a need for us to engage in more effective food security. And in this regard, in fact, it is very important that there, there is collaboration between um, the countries, the metropoles, and, and, and small island development states that, that exist in the Caribbean region. I can indicate to you, for example, that, that um, agriculture represents, in fact, a, a very important feature of any diversification process because, because of tourism, and because, in fact, um, we haven't had the, requ the requisite resources, we have not diversified our economy in the manner that it, it should be. I mean, in the, in the case of Trinidad and Tobago, we were blessed with, with fossil fuel. When fossil fuel was the fuel um, that the world was subsisting on. Of course, that type of dependency must wane because now in terms of alternative energy, we have to look at alternatives in this country in the context of sustaining our economy. And in that regard, there is a lot of agricultural technology going on in America where you find strains of, 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 of seeds are improved and augmented to, to produce more fruits, to be more resilient, and, and more importantly, in, in our diversification process throughout the Caribbean, we need to look at the real specter of having hurricanes every single year. So it's, it's not only a question of moving into agriculture as a form of diversification, but we need to also address where, what type of crops that we engage in, because we cannot in fact be planting back banana trees every year. Mm. You know? So in that regard, I think it is a very, it is a very, very forceful question. And it is one that throughout the Caribbean region, we are looking at is issues of IT also. We are looking um, at issues of creating financial centers in the Caribbean region, all in an attempt to diversify our economy away from tourism. Thank you so much, President Carmona. I think we have time for one or two more questions. And then I'd like to go to the panelists and let them make a, a final comment or two. 
before we uh, wrap this up. So Kaylee, can you give us one or two more questions real quick? Speaker Gingrich, you know, recently you wrote a book about China. China has been very involved in the economic situation of South and North America. How do you see China's role in economic recovery in this hemisphere going forward? Well, I, I think the Chinese are a uh, two-edged sword. I think on the one hand, they bring technology and capital. On the other hand, they tend to strike deals uh, which allow them ultimately uh, to foreclose on the country. So, for example, Sri Lanka lost one of its major ports, which the Chinese just took over uh, as part of their negotiation. So I, th I think in a way, you have, you have to deal with the Chinese because they're a huge country with a big economy, but you have to deal with them very carefully and have really good lawyers because if they can, uh, they will consistently take advantage of you. And if they can, uh, they will steal your intellectual property. Uh, but I, I wanna go a step further in terms of what President Carmona said. <clears throat> We're gonna have a different world coming out of this pandemic and one of the big breakthroughs is going to be exactly what we're doing today, a scale of telecommunications and a scale of a worldwide capacity to talk with each other uh, that was theoretically possible two or three years ago, but most people never tried it. I suspect that 10 or 15 years from now, there will be several hundred thousand jobs in the Caribbean with people who are engaged in work that is worldwide work based on uh, very strong investment in infrastructure and the rise of 5G technology, which will make possible uh, a huge amount of wealth development on relatively small islands in a way that would have been unthinkable 30 or 40 years ago. And I would hope as we look at the development of the next uh, 10 or 15 years, that we really place a substantial effort into the whole rise of uh, wireless internet and other capabilities that allow, that eliminate distance and allow people to earn a living and get educated and have uh, health care with, without regard to distance. So I'm, I'm an optimist about the potential that we have uh, in the region. Thank you, Speaker Gingrich. And one final question for Dr. Jenkins in light of all these important discussions. What do you feel UPF can do? What, what role can it play in, in bringing about these, these points? Well, I'm, I'm very encouraged by what we see today. The International Summit Council for Peace, the ISCP, with the leaders that are represented here, uh, Speaker Gingrich and President Zamora, President Carmona, and there are literally over 150 presidents that are now engaged, former presidents and many current presidents, engaged from Africa, all over Asia, uh, South America, Central America, Europe, uh, it's really coming together in a very significant way. Prime Minister Harper from Canada has been very supportive. I think that that leadership collaboration is what UPF is providing, a forum that also has been established in a way that allows very different uh, opinions to come to the table without being uh, combative or confrontational, and we build friendships. And that's what we saw at the World Summit. We saw incredible diversity, people who were the leaders of communist countries able to come and dialogue with Western de democracies. And they somehow all seemed to appreciate Mother Moon's gift of bringing all people together and showing that respect. The second aspect that I see 
and I want to thank Dr. Walsh for this, is that uh, the International Association of Parliamentarians for Peace, in other words, the, the presidents who are coming together here have a network of over 5,000 parliamentarians in over 150 countries, and now it's really starting to grow under Congressman Burton's leadership and also Speaker DiVinisi, a former Speaker of Philippines. That leadership is causing those parliamentarians to multiply and they will be a valuable communication network for the presidents of ISCP too, because ultimately we need to go back to the parliaments and help those countries institute laws and, and agreements that will allow us to work better uh, together and cause for mutual prosperity. And again, I want to emphasize this north-south unity that President Pazamora was talking about, Pan-America. I think it's very critical. I think of Catholics and Protestants, Jews, Christians, the religious freedom of north and south. If we really find a way to come closer together economically and also in terms of our values, which I think is very real, I think it has an enormous effect on bringing peace in Europe and also through the Middle East and throughout the world. Thank you, Dr. Jenkins. Thank you. Let me make one quick comment about the International Association of Parliamentarians for Peace. As Dr. Jenkins just said, we have five or 6,000 members already and uh, it is growing. One of the things that I think in addition to the Parliamentarians for Peace working in their respective areas of the world to uh, bring about peaceful negotiations and solutions to problems is that uh, we're all facing this pandemic right now. And one of the reasons we're facing this pandemic, it was well on its way out of control before everybody grasped the problem. And as a result, it, it spread very rapidly. One of the things that we have suggested to parliamentarians for peace around the world is that they literally keep their ear to the ground to find out if there's any other potential epidemics that might be uh, uh, starting or growing so that they can uh, uh, contact other parliamentarians or our organization or the leaders of their country as quickly as possible so we can nip those things in the bud. If once the pandemic gets out of control and it's spread from person to person, even people who don't know they have it, it it's very difficult to control it as everybody knows right now. And so the Parliamentarians for Peace, in my opinion, can be a real asset in getting, in getting the message out as quickly as possible if we see anything like this happening in their area or their country so we can, as I said, nip it in the bud. We now have about uh, seven or eight minutes left to go. Uh, I'd like to ask the, the panelists if they would be uh, interested or willing to sum up and let us know if there's any uh, final comments they'd like to make before we uh, sign off today. So uh, let me start off with, how about you knew, would you like to make a final comment or two? Well, I mean, I think all, all I want to say is that uh, now is a time to have a big imagination because we're going to go through tremendous changes, uh, both on a public health side from the pandemic and on the economic recovery side. And we are learning both in things like, for example, the speed of developing new vaccines. We're learning in terms of things like the ability to use Zoom and, and go to meeting and what have you. Uh, there are a lot of things happening. And I think as a general rule, most of us who've been in positions of authority are probably too used to falling back on what used to work and don't take enough time to think about what could work. And I think we could be at the edge of uh, one of the great periods of creativity uh, 
which would be almost a renaissance across the entire planet. And that's part of why I'm, I'm so deeply optimistic about the near future. Thank you, Newt. Uh, President, uh, either one of our presidents like to make a comment real quickly? Yes, certainly, certainly. Um, economic recovery and development plans must be inclusive. I am of the view that women, young people, and persons with disabilities must have an input if we are to achieve real, genuine human development and economic recovery. You see, what is in fact significant is that when you look at the complement of persons on these various economic recovery teams, there's a dire lack of representation from those, from those demographics. Finally, I need to indicate to us that young people are demanding a restructuring of the economic order. The classrooms of the world are boiling with militancy and advocacy because children today and generations tomorrow stand the most to lose when human development is being outstripped by economic systems insensitive and indifferent to the fundamentals of human development and climate change. I think if we are to move forward, we must have an inclusive collaboration among all the sectors of our society, especially women, especially young people, and especially persons with disabilities, because we all know those are the segments of our society suffer the most when in fact there are dire economic streets. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, President Zamar, would you like to make a final comment or two before we turn, and, and also you, uh, Dr. Jenkins, uh, before we turn this back over to uh, uh, Mr. Walsh, Dr. Walsh. Simply, I want to say, I want to insist, we need a new Pan-Americanism. We need a new attitude. We have, we are, we have many uh, factors, even China wants to influence the world. Economical Europe wants to influence the world. We, as an American, we also need to do some part of influence to the world. So we have to show our own personality. And we need to talk about a new Pan-Americanism so we can show that we are just one people, one block to the world, but with our own values. Pan-Americanism with new values, where human development and the take care of the planet are the top of the main uh, goals that we will, might look for. Thank you, Mr. President. Dr. Jacobs? Yeah, I want to thank you, Congressman Burton, and thank you to all of our panelists. And uh, God bless South America, Central America, the Caribbean, and North America all together. Thank you. Before I turn this over to uh, 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 Dr. Walsh, uh, I want to congratulate Mother Moon on her new book, her biography. And I hope if any of you have a chance to read it, if you don't have a copy yet, you really should. It's very, very interesting. And with that, uh, Dr. Walsh, uh, we'll let you sum up. And, and uh, if there's any additional things you'd want to bring forth, we'll be glad to hear it. And it's, it's before you get it, I want to thank all the panelists, the two presidents, Newt, Michael Jenkins, you all did a good job. And uh, 
And Dr. Walsh, you didn't do bad either. Go ahead, Dr. Walsh. <laughs> I was a good listener. Well, it was a lot of good stuff to hear and uh, very, very inspired uh, by this uh, important discussion. I, some key words that came out. I really liked the way uh, Speaker Gingrich concluded with kind of the big imagination we need. I, th I think that captures a lot and, uh, and a hopeful look that we are going to come through this uh, with uh, potentials and possibilities that uh, we heretofore have not really even imagined, perhaps. And so I think this, while we face recession and and pandemics and that, we we do need to look beyond. I like Pan-Americanism that uh, President uh, Paz Zamora kept underscoring, and that resonates well, certainly with UPF's vision and uh, President Carmona talked about collaboration across all the sectors. That's exactly it. And Dr. Jenkins, he brought in uh, this faith-based dimension. Very interesting too that uh, Speaker Gingrich, uh, an eminent uh, political leader for decades and scholar and historian, and his wife is also ambassador to the Vatican, which, you know, who more than Pope Francis is a, a great uh, uh, representative of how faith perspectives apply to the social order, the political economic order for moral guidance, providing a moral compass as referenced earlier by the Moon's own leadership, other faith-based organizations coming together as part of this grand dialogue is also needed. So anyway, I just applaud everyone. UPF will continue this series. We have an important program coming up about uh, peace in the Balkans and then uh, one in the Asia Pacific region that will take place in Bangkok, but will be uh, heard internationally, of course, through our Zoom webinar series. I will conclude with that. I really thank you, Congressman Burton. You did an excellent job to moderate. Uh, you look handsome as ever, and you're, uh, you're a skillful moderator. And uh, <laughs> my thanks to, to all, the, all the panelists. Uh, you, you, uh, you honor us with your presence and even more so with your eloquence and your insight. Thank you. Thank you all very much. Have a nice day. Thank you, too.